Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Welcome, everybody, to episode 15 of Beginning the Trek. This was my first time watching The Next Generation. This is the introduction of Star Trek, guided by Trekkie guru Andy. Hi, I'm Andy Goldberg, and uh, I am, I guess I'm a Trekkie guru this week, and I am guiding Jessica and anyone else who wants to through uh, 52 episodes of Star Trek across all six of the completed television series, and we are on episode 15, which is our first our first episode of Next Generation, and we're doing the pilot episode Encounter at Farpoint. So is there anything we need to know for starting this? I mean, obviously we're going to spoil the pilot episode that we watched. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Encounter at Farpoint, two parts that are all one, because we're about to ruin everything. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that. So, so uh, we always start with some spoilers, uh, and while I have told you that once we get to the to the next generation, the spoilers will mount up. There's obviously no spoilers for the pilot. Oh. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and get started with the one big spoiler, which is uh, I get to do the synopsis, and this was a two part episode. So we're going to give you leeway. That's. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I believe that you said that when we do two-parters, we get 20 sentences, and boy, do I need it. Are they are they evenly split between what was clearly the first part and what was clearly the second part? Absolutely. 13 of them are the first part, and seven of them are the last part. That's an even split. Okay. I couldn't make it happen. There's too much character introduction at the beginning a lot of that characters. I needed to set the stage. So. All right, take, take it away. Okay, here we go. It's 80 years later, and we see an all-new, sleek and shiny USS Enterprise NCC-1701D drop into view. First, let's meet Captain Jean-Luc Picard and half of the new crew, including Commander Data, the android, Security Chief Tasha Yar, the empath, Counselor Deanna Troy, and is that a Klingon on the bridge? Our first mission? Simply solve the mystery of Farpoint Station. Well, it'll have to wait as an energy barrier suddenly appears directly in front of the Enterprise's path. With a flash, an 18th century ship captain appears, calling itself Q, changing forms and demanding that they all return to Earth and venture no farther into the galaxy. When Lieutenant Soon-to-be-Frozen-and-never-heard-from-again brandishes a phaser at Q, (laughs) a dangerous display of his abilities show how powerful this alien actually is. As discretion is the better part of let's get the heck out of here, Picard orders a maximum warp from the engines by uttering the single word, engage. Not so fast, says Q, as his energy barrier folds up and follows the Enterprise at breakneck speed. Picard's option is to separate the star drive from the saucer section of the ship, allowing most of the crew and their families to escape. And by the way, that is a totally cool effect. (laughs) Confronting Q again, the crew finds itself in a 2079-style courtroom and are accused of being a dangerously savage child race. During the farcical trial, Picard proposes we be tested to see if we're worthy of space travel, and Q accepts by saying that the Farpoint station will present plenty of challenge for puny humans. Let's see what's happening on Farpoint station and meet the crew, part two. 
The young, brash Commander William Riker is meeting with Bandai Station Manager Groppler Zorn, and strange things are happening, like magically appearing apples and bolts of cloth. Lieutenant Jordy LaForge reports that the station is full of unusual anomalies, and Dr. Beverly Crusher and her son Wesley agree that strange things are afoot. Uniting the two halves of the crew and the two halves of the ship, and after a bit of fan service with the 138-year-old Admiral Leonard McCoy bantering with Data as a Spock stand-in, it's time to figure out Farpoint. While the crew works on the mystery, Q keeps annoying Picard and the bridge officers, warning that they are running out of time. And then a new threat appears, a spaceship of some kind, and it starts attacking the Bandai people, the ones who built the Farpoint station. Riker leads an away mission to the attacking ship, and they discover that its insides match the bowels of Farpoint Station itself, which leads to only one possible conclusion. Picard states the Farpoint Station is actually a living space creature, similar to the attacking ship, which is also a creature, and that these two were mates, and that the small burst of energy from our ship would be plenty to revive the creature's captured mate, thus allowing it to escape and be reunited with its lover. <laughs> Lucky guess, and Q reluctantly leaves, but he promises to return. And with the mystery of Farpoint Station solved, and Q dealt with, at least for now, there's only one thing left to do. Let's see what's out there. And chimey noise. <laughs> so let's talk episode then. The first thing that comes to mind is characters. Like, this episode was about introducing characters. Tons, That's right? That's almost all it was about, actually, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, um, that is my, actually, my first note is let's meet the crew. Um, and so I thought we would just start by talking about some of them. So perfect. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's start with the first guy we see on the screen, and that is Captain Jean-Luc Picard, played by Patrick Stewart. Uh, super awesome. I can't believe that Star Trek original fans didn't protest more because... I, I know I'm going to like Picard, but I don't yet. And I certainly wouldn't just from watching this pilot. I really wouldn't like him. He hates kids. He's not really all that much fun. He does not set up a family friend, like, fun family vibe with the crew. He's not BFFs with anyone. He seems like the kind of boss you get and they're like, I'm not friends with employees. He seems like that guy. Uh, yeah. And I know it's a pilot, and I have no doubt that it's going to get better. But this was kind of a meh introduction, in my opinion. I hear ya. I hear ya. And and um, for a lot of people, that was the way it was when uh, this guy comes out. And not only is he not Captain Kirk, but he's this kind of blowhard... Um, you Follow know, the rules. Very rigid. Intellectual, uh, not yeah. action star. Right, yeah. kind of raising, raising his voice maybe a couple of times in weird spots. Um, right. Uh, yeah, there was there was something a little a little uncomfortable. Um, he gets better. <laughs> <laughs> and he this is a a decent representation. You can see his character already developing there, mm -hmm. but as as the show goes on, mm -hmm. he will, and, and a lot of them will, step into the characters more and they'll become much stronger. It's, it's really interesting because 
comparing this to the original series, it's like those characters were right there from the beginning, I felt. They had a family vibe. Uh, well, yeah, maybe not super introduction, but they were introduced as though, you know, they already knew each other. Uh, so maybe this was intentional of the story to, they don't even get to half of the crew until half the episode is done. Or yeah. I watched parts one and two together because that's how they were presented to me. Yes, yes. But there was a pretty clear, like, half the crew doesn't even show up. And then you're like, oh, God, there's more. <laughs> Yeah, there's, and that's what I, my first two notes, or my first note is meet the, meet the mm-hmm. new crew. And, and then note number four is meet the new crew two. part two. Which is how it felt, so, yeah. Which is where we get to Farpoint Station for the first time, and that's where we meet Commander Riker, Commander William Riker, the young, brash first officer. And, and it, it's surprising to me, and you'll you'll see it happen eventually, not not too long in. He will grow a beard. Okay. Um and and his personality will will alter slightly once he grows that beard. It's kind of an interesting <laughs> moment Don't. in the show. And a lot of people say the show gets good when Riker grows his beard. Ah. There's a lot. There's a line. Uh, I, I've heard that more than once out in the world. Well you've recently went from uh, super like bald like Patrick Stewart bald and clean shaven and sometimes you'll change your appearance for however you want to fit is it true does your personality change with facial hair you know what it does it actually you know what it does when I shave my head and I get that kind of goofy look that that comes with the perfectly symmetrical head Mm -hmm. I mean I look like I look like Vincent Price's egghead on the old Batman series. You know, it's very, I have a great head for, <laughs> for being shiny. shaped. But I, get, but I get goofier and I get funnier. Or I don't know if I get fun. I hope I get funnier. I certainly get goofier and a little more jovial. So mm. sure. Yeah, maybe it does. <laughs> But we can go back to Riker. <laughs> yeah, when we get to when we get to to uh, just to tell you when we get to Deep Space Nine, the same thing happens in reverse. When Commander Cisco shaves his head, things get better. <laughs> yeah, right. it gets good. There's there's some fun delineations with Star Trek fans. But I think the important point is they're not quite firing on all cylinders yet. Yeah, which was I felt pretty clear. It mm-hmm. felt like a pilot. It felt like an introduction. Some of the interactions felt very forced, like, here's how Riker is going to deal with somebody like Data, and vice versa. So Very much so. Mm. Yeah, I think you picked up on, uh, they wanted to show different pairings, different connections with people, mm-hmm. uh, all the while keeping this new story thread kind of moving. Kind of. <laughs> It was boring. Let's be honest. Okay. Well, we, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Let's. I want to keep talking characters for right now, but we'll get oh, to the okay. story in a minute. So, okay. we met Commander Data, who we've talked about. Yeah, we have. That as though he's going to be kind of a character like Spock. It's going to be very logic driven, uh, no emotions. However, already, I kind of want to have you define him a little bit more. Is he an android? He's a machine. He's not human. Mm. He wants to be human. So he shows want. Is that programmed want? Hmm. Good question. Or is that AI development? Question mark. Like that was the end. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, have already stumbled on one of the great 
explorations of character in all of Star Trek. What is Commander Data? Mm-hmm. Who is Commander Data? And is does he have emotions? Does he not have emotions? He's certainly, they all talk about him not having emotions. He's certainly, you know, trying to learn to mimic human behavior, right? Mm-hmm. We see that at the very beginning with the, the pop goes the weasel. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds a little, he sounds a little... Robotic. Robotic and a little bit childlike at times too there are things that you know he kind of doesn't know that you would think he should know but again as he settles in and it's coming what did you think of him with mccoy uh cute okay okay it was cute uh it was an interesting choice because you put you could have put picard with mccoy you could have put any one of those and had it be good so I think it was an interesting choice that you do you have this mechanical childlike character with what has always been the representation of like good god man I am emotional and Spock is too logical and how could we do this he's very like that's McCoy uh, so having that play off of each other was uh, it was cute I liked See, it I looked at it like it was kind of almost a passing the baton now they never said Ooh, okay. they never said um Data will be the new Spock. I don't think they ever said that. In fact, I remember reading uh, an article about Jordy LaForge, about uh, LeVar Burton's character, being touted as the new Spock. I'm not sure why anyone would think that, but that was what I'd read back when it came out. But there was something kind of past the torchy about McCoy and Data sort of almost subbing out for the Spock character as they have one more little, you know, battle where I don't see no points on your ears, but you sound like a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was just because I, 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 you know, had more time to be in love with the McCoy character, but I felt like it really connected me from the old series to the new. Uh, I didn't feel that quite so much. I think if they were going to have that moment, it could have been... Uh, way more intentional, but it felt like, well, we better give old fans something to love about this because they're so much different. Uh, And I did, you know, McCoy talks about the ship itself. She's a she and you need to treat her right and she'll always get you home. So that definitely feels like a passing, passing the baton moment. But other than that, I kind of, I, it feels a little like when you're a little bit cheated out of something that you love because it's like, oh, well, they use the same peanut butter that you used to love in this new recipe, so you're going to love this new recipe. And it's like, no, that's not how that works. You're going to have to make the new recipe just as good. So it was a little bit that way, but it was cute. It was it was fan service. Yeah, it, it was a little bit of fan service, but it was fun fan service for me anyway. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, and, and, and I definitely had a, a thought as they're walking down the hall of uh, meet the new Spock, same as the old Spock. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of popped into my head at one point. That works. I can see yeah, it. Too bad we're not doing the little shimmer because that would be a good spot for that right after that one. But we want no chiming noise in the middle of these. Uh, did you by any chance notice that the chiming noise sounded a little familiar in, to anything in the show? 
Yes. What was uh, when I was watching it? What was the chimey sound in in what what I was watching? The new transporters. Yes. And I was like, hey, yeah. that sounds a little bit like what we do. I bet he did that on purpose. <laughs> I worked hard to make that sound. I made that sound. I, I took some nice. some public domain stuff and slowed it down and stretched it out and did all kind of, and it came out like that. And I went, ooh, that sounds like the transporter. I keep it that. Uh, well, no, it didn't sound like what the transporter used to sound like, though. No, but it, but it sounded like this. And you knew what was coming. Was, I wasn't trying to make anything specific, but it it worked out. Well, when we talk Trek, we can talk Foley artists and how they get the doors to move. Because I heard a bit of trivia on that. And I'm sure you already know. But for me, it was fun. Yeah, we could talk about that. There's footage of when they don't move. <laughs> awesome. Oh, we're going to have to clip to some, or link to some YouTubes on that. I also now have something to talk about and talk track too. Oh, That's put it awesome. in the notes then. But back to the characters. Before we get to the super forgettable ones, of which there are about five, in my opinion. And, and I got news for you. None of them are going to be forgettable to you. Okay, that's fair. This is a different show. You're going to get to know and understand who all these folks are. Well, some of them did not put their best forward. <laughs> no, they didn't. And that's okay, because I know there's, what, how many seasons of The Next Generation? So, clearly. Seven, seven seasons, yep. It got good. <laughs> but let's, uh, before we get onto those, let's talk Q. Let's talk Q. Because, I don't know, are we going to see him again? Why do I have a feeling yes? Yes. Okay. Tell me about, I... tell me what your thoughts and impressions on Q are. He's irrational. Yes. So, as like a... I'm basically a god and a higher being. I'm like, you're kind of a, I want to say names, but we're G-rated, so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like, well, that's how I felt about Q, the character. But I did recognize, this is one of those that uh, I think there are some really obvious, like I know Whoopi Goldberg is coming up at some point. We've obviously already talked about Red and how I know her. I, only I can't remember the actress's name because I'm bad at that. Kate Mulgrew. From, yes, Kate Mulgrew. She knows her name. She knows she's cool. Uh, I know the guy who plays Q as an actor from Stargate, where he is also quite snarky. He's, uh, he's on Stargate? Yeah, way later. Oh, cool. I got that to look forward to. I don't know if he's as obnoxious, but pretty much him and uh, Amanda Tapping, their characters do not get along. Hmm. He's a really great actor. I did not like the character because he was so irrational. Yes. The stuff he does makes no sense. And he's like, oh, I'm a higher being. And I'm like, mm, I don't believe you, except for maybe you have technology. But I just kind of expect behind all the technology, there is a little person who's angry at the universe. Q ends up being a recurring character throughout all of the next generation, shows up once on Deep Space Nine, Shows up a few times on Voyager. Remember how I felt about Jane? Oh, we got to keep ring. Okay. Okay. I'm going to learn to love him. <laughs> you are going to. Now, now, he's always going to be this arrogant, superior being. Mm -hmm. Well, hmm. He's not always going to be that, as it turns out. Uh, but yeah, he, he takes a little detour at one point. He'll show up a couple of episodes a season. Mm -hmm. He's one of the storylines that we're going to continue to see a little bit more of. Okay. And he's very important to the development of Star Trek. Okay. And to introducing us to what it is to be out there, 
we're out there this far now, and this is the kind of stuff we're running into. Okay. Well, if you tell me I'll like him more, I probably will, but I think it's more a credit to the actor than to the character necessarily, because honestly, this felt like between him and Patrick Stewart, those were the two that lit up the screen, and then the rest of it was kind of like, we're going to push them through this until they get there themselves. There was, a, there was a lot of credit to the two of those actors, I thought. You're right. And um, if something like this was shown today, mm-hmm. if this was on today, it probably wouldn't last. If this was Discovery. If this was, dis- if this was what Discovery was. Right. It would have a very hard time making the grade because you're right. There's a lot of things that aren't flushed out yet. Okay. Now we got to talk uh, forgettable characters who you tell me won't be so forgettable. Yes. I am going to hate whoever plays the telepath. Oh, Deanna Troy. Deanna Troy. Deanna Troy, played by Marina Sirtis. Played by, say her name again. Marina Sirtis. Yeah, Marina she's not Sirtis. quite there yet. And the first season, and I think you'll see it in, in the next episode, they put her in just the worst god-awful uniform. I mean, it's like, what is she wearing? <laughs> you know, but... All right. This is something to look forward to. I, I'm curious, actually, to see what you think of her. What did you think of her from this episode? From this episode, she's... Uh, She's mostly just obnoxious. She's the character that walks into the room and is like, I will be here to state the obvious. <gasps> love. There is such love and gratitude coming away from the aliens. You can't feel it, but I can. Which, to be fair, that's what happens when you play a telepath on sci-fi shows. Mm-hmm. So I'm not calling out the actress necessarily. I'm calling out the trope of you're the lady who feels things. And maybe that's why I like Firefly so much is because the one who's, well, you never really find out what she is, but she's definitely telepathic in some sense. Or um, what is it when you can feel other people's feelings? Empathic. Empathic. Yeah. She clearly has a history with Riker. Yes, she does. Um, Are you curious if those two end up getting together during the show at some point? It seems like it's possible, right? Uh, Yeah, but I don't want to know. Because I feel like with this many characters, it's a setup to a soap opera. And we're going we're gonna to stop exploring worlds the way the original series did. And we're going to start just, how does Worf feel about Geordi? And how does Geordi deal with Data? And how does it, there's so many interactions there that, well, like, why go explore another world? You could just be a soap opera ship. So I don't want that to happen. Right, right. Does that happen? It's, it, it won't happen. Yay! As, as we explore the characters, and we will get a lot about the characters, mm-hmm. but it's all going to be done with the story driving it forward, at least the good episodes. The story is driving everything forward, and then the characters come out of how they react to what's happening in the story and how they react to being with each other. That is extremely comforting to hear. I knew it wouldn't have lasted so long if it wasn't that way, but me just having only seen this, mm-hmm. it feels like it's going to go that way. Right. Well, we have we have nine new crew members to get to know in this episode. We meet five of them. We take a little break, meet the queue, um, go mm-hmm. through the, the the whole adventure with the uh, with the um, trial, mm-hmm. and then. We get to Farpoint Station and meet four more. That's where mm-hmm. we meet Riker and Dr. Crusher, who we haven't even mentioned yet. Um, the doctor in the blue smock and her son, uh, Wesley, mm-hmm. Wesley Crusher. Mm-hmm. Who I'm sure 
We will talk a lot about Wesley in a couple of episodes coming. There's so many things for you to learn now. Uh, And then the other person that we meet is uh, Lieutenant Jordy LaForge, who has that visor. Mm Mm-hmm is we find out in the second half is blind which i know him from reading rainbow and the second i saw him i was like take a look it's in a box anyway (laughs) (laughs) he's just like staring at me and i'm like yeah i loved reading rainbow (laughs) it's perfect no that's the and and see i knew him before reading rain but this was before reading rainbow um yeah he played the original kunta kinte on the original um, Alex Haley's Roots miniseries, which was a miniseries back in the 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was one of the main stars of that show, an unknown actor. Mm-hmm. And then here he is showing up on Star Trek. He was the second highest known star, I think, at the time on this show. Nobody knew who these people were. Uh, well, that's kind of cool. At least, you know, as at the time... You're introducing new people. You might as well introduce new, new people. Who was, I mean, Patrick Stewart was known. Yes? Yeah, Patrick Stewart was known, uh, but not well known here in the United States. He was a British actor. He'd done a lot of Shakespeare. He'd done a lot of work right. on stage. Right, he's like super theatrically trained. and. I remember him playing in, he was fantastic in a little a movie called Excalibur. Uh, they're up on horseback in full armor, waving his sword around. Uh, it was, he was a, an action star in that. Excalibur was obviously about King Arthur. I hope so. <laughs> so we might as well mention the moment between Beverly Crusher and Jean-Luc Picard. And I am going to use full names, hopefully, until I can throw them out and not have to ask like I did McCoy five times. What's his name again? Nine new people. I understand this is going to take a little time for you to get to know him. And again, we're doing this at lightning speed, so... But Picard likes her, and she seems like a pretty tough cookie. Yes. Uh, Head of medical. Yes. And I think I'm going to like her. I don't know what's going on, her being all widowed and having a kid, who, the best I can say about Wesley is that Picard already hates him, kind of irrationally. Uh, So that was a little bit fun. But poor guy, like, there's this poor little kid. There's clearly no other children running around. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, I just want to learn and be a little bit goofy. And it's like, well, you get to be goofy, that's for sure. Oh, wow. You just, in, in like one little paragraph there, you said... I don't even know what direction to go in. Children on the Enterprise, Wesley Crusher, uh, Beverly right. Crusher. But Beverly Crusher is so so. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly spoil this for you now, just so you know what's coming. You know what's gonna happen. Okay. This character is going to leave the show after the first season, Beverly Crusher, for one season. They're gonna bring in a new doctor. Oh, okay, and then be back. Who you're gonna see in. A few episodes, so you'll you'll get to see this other doctor, okay. and then she comes back. But she will, and then okay. she'll be with the show throughout. And yeah, I think she's awesome. Uh, there are lots of shows that focus on her and that center on her. Um, in fact, our next show, she'll she's very featured. Oh, you got to be careful because when you say show, I think like entire like. Uh, Deep Space Nine or Enterprise oh, or... Oh, oh, right, right. Uh, so, episodes. Sorry, our next gotcha. episode. Next week's episode. I should say it like that. So, cool. uh, next week's episode will uh, feature her. Uh, and I think you'll get to like her, too. And what do you think of her son? Um. Well, I know people's opinions about... <laughs> 
What's what do you know? I want to hear what I'm, you know. Well, all I've seen is stuff like Big Bang Theory and uh, just random comments. Everybody tends to roll their eyes. So it must be one of those uh, where how much you want to bet he gets put in danger a lot and it's supposed to have some kind of sympathy factor because he's a little boy. Um, Is that your prediction for his character? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Like he's, he's mostly there to get kidnapped by aliens so that Picard has something to be like, no, we're going to go fight and, and get him back. The character of Wesley Crusher was literally... Gene Roddenberry's brainchild. He's basically supposed to be Gene Roddenberry as a boy, getting an opportunity to live (laughs) life on the Enterprise. All right. Okay, so that was kind of that. He's kind of a fantasy character that 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 Gene Roddenberry was able to put on the show. So. When he's up on the bridge being the, the kind of the genius and, right. and, you know, recognizing the, what was it, the perimeter alert. Right, yeah. Um, that boy genius thing there, that's, you know, Roddenberry's. Patting his eight-year-old self on the back. Okay. Okay. They haven't given him any special abilities. So, and the truth is, are we, um, okay, aside from... We need to talk Worf and uh, what's-her-face with security, who was also extremely forgettable. Tasha Yar. But after that, it seems kind of like the all of these characters were put together so that Captain Picard has uh, essentially, like, pawns that are a front line to whatever happens. So we've got... Jordy LaForge, who can see things and has extrasensory stuff, haven't worked out all of that, but definitely because of his whatever, and it's very painful. So that's cool. That's a great premise for something. We've got an empath and possibly telepath that is obviously going to be used for a lot, hopefully more than, there is a feeling of love in the air. And Oh, they'll beat the snot out of her. <laughs> they will beat the snot out of Deanna Troy in a lot of ways. In, okay. Phenomenal. We get to see. I don't know. And then Worf kind of seems like uh, he's going to be the muscle. And uh, Beverly Crusher, she's going to just be medical, so not a whole lot going on there. Um, And Data is going to be the memory banks so that you don't have to say, computer, tell me the things. Um, And then Riker is going to be the diplomat. Right? I mean, Picard essentially put him in that situation when he's talking to him, saying, hey, I've got a bunch of children not just the one but all of them and i don't deal with kids very well so you're just gonna have to make sure that i don't treat them like crap which i thought was kind of funny but Riker seems pretty happy-go-lucky and he's gonna that was my take on pretty much all of the characters as a as a sum up but they're all there to be picard's pawns in whatever situation he gets into Uh, you know there's there's almost nothing you said there that i would disagree with except um not even except i'm just gonna gonna add to it i'm gonna add to it a little bit because i think you're right in a lot of ways these are they're still almost like character concepts yeah they're not like fully formed human beings yet um uh, tasha yar is she, she to me she's not forgettable in this episode only because that overly dramatic speech she gives in the trial that gets her like frozen right uh and deservedly so where we respond with she's frozen yeah it's like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you well you know it, it's it's just such a it was so heavy-handed and so 
yeah not well delivered and uh, unfortunately in the in the beginning they're still finding their footing and so i think you're right they do end up a little a little two dimensional a little cardboard yeah. Um, Wesley's the uh, stand-in for Roddenberry, but he's the know-it-all, and that's kind of all. And he's the the goofy kid that drips all over the. Why don't you clean yourself up? Yeah, <laughs> such disdain. Right now he's so he's comic relief, and and that's about all he is. And you can kind of. Like mm-hmm. go down the the roster yeah, and say they're what this, I did, yeah. like you, like what you did. They're this, and maybe they're this and this, but that's all right they now, are. Right now, yes. Uh, and one mm-hmm. of these characters is going to leave for a season, and come back. Another one is going to leave soon. Okay. Um, but by the time we get to the second and third season, these these folks are. They're much more you're, than I'm you're putting gonna get them. Oh, who good, they are. Good, because they 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 need to be to be <laughs> to be able to carry a show. Gonna... But it's it. But it's interesting because if they if if this is what you see on TV today, mm-hmm. you probably don't give it much of another chance. Mm-mm. I, I wouldn't. A- and yet, seven seasons, three spinoffs off of this one. Right. Four now, if you want to continue, you know, consider them to be spinoffs of this or whatever. Right. But but a resurgence. That, that created a whole new generation huh, of fans all came from a show that was given an opportunity to find itself on syndicated television because it wasn't even on network. It was on syndicated. And I'm not even going to try and explain that to you. You don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't know the difference about. between syndicated and network, Ugh. but okay. Smaller, <laughs> harder to get to people. And yet they were able to create a huge audience for it. So, All right. And you're right. They're also very, a little bit forgettable at times. There are distinct moments, but those moments feel forced between, like, like the writers trying to say, here is how this is going to go, instead of, this is what this character would do because of this. So I know we'll get there. Uh, but it's definitely like, especially for me right now, definitely not there. And I know when when we finally leave TNG, I'm gonna be like, I miss Picard. Where is Data? I'm gonna have the same reaction because my first reaction was like, I miss Kirk, which I did not think that I would say. <laughs> I really didn't. But How about that, if you haven't seen the movies, go watch them, especially that last one, because I had, like, I think I could go back and watch the original series with so much more than I did originally because of that mm. one movie. So that's that's how good it was. Yeah. Anyway, so we've talked characters. Yeah. Right. So we've talked about all the characters, who each of them are, and you'll get features of a lot of them. So, yeah. How'd you like the ship? Uh, it was amazing. So that went from being like, like Kirk's ship feels like something the Federation stuck out to the outer edges because they were like, maybe this will work. But this feels like a ship that's got so many more people. The, the I don't know if it's lighting or the sets or the fact that TV is different at this point in actual time of filming it. But it felt way bigger. Oh, and it, it does the separation thingy. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the saucer separation. Yeah. yeah. So they can't be doing that every day. That seems like a bit no, much. No, and in fact, you almost never see it in the entire okay. in the entire run of the show, but it was cool to see in the in the pilot. It was. That was cool. Um, 
don't look forward to seeing it every week. It doesn't happen mm-hmm. often at all. But it's cool, right? Do they have... I mean... I complained about this before in uh, the original series. I was like, why would you ever need shuttles if you can just transport yourself anywhere? Mm-hmm. And this episode seemed to be a lot about transport and energy and where it comes from and where it goes. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the aliens that we get introduced to, except Q. Except for Q so far. Uh, is there a range? No, now we're talking track. No, um, okay. That can come later. The ship, it feels really busy and really alive. Yeah, we got kids aboard. Did you see many kids? Uh, I saw the kid Vulcan. Mm -hmm. And while seeing the kid Vulcan, I also saw a male walking past in a miniskirt. Yes. Was that originally in there? A couple of times. Um, Yeah. Fantastic. That, like, it kind of made me happy. Those scants? I thought it was a nice touch. There's a lot, lot, lot more awareness around, like, you see a ton of women, a lot more aliens, um, which I thought was cool. It made, it definitely made it feel bigger. Yeah. The, the, the whole, I mean, so the galaxy class ship is, it's got more than a thousand people aboard. Uh, so, you know, three times the number of people, much bigger. Engines that go much faster, which means we've been able to explore farther out than before. Okay. Meet new, meet new alien races, which mm-hmm. you saw sort of more integrated, not just the occasional Vulcan on right. a ship, but now you're seeing a lot more integration. The Federation is really starting to right. spread out. We got a, we got a Klingon on the ship. We got a Klingon on the ship. I, I didn't get much out of him. Except that Picard calls him out for being a hothead. Yeah, we'll we'll get to him, and he, he's about as two dimensional a character as there is right now, and he becomes so mm-hmm. full fully formed that he will be on two different shows mm-hmm. as a regular, and he'll do yeah, you'll see a lot of him. Awesome. Uh, well, oh, in uh, the Deanna Troy, we talked a lot more about her than I thought we would. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, she's she mentions she's half something or other. So. So you are getting a lot. Half human, half betazoid, uh, which is where she gets that empathic ability mm-hmm. from is her betazoid half. So aside from, I mentioned the story is a little bit plotting. Okay, I said the word boring. You did say the word boring. Times. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's slow. It's very, you're right. It's a slow moving because we've got so many people to meet and so yeah. much yep. stuff to learn. And it's punctuated by periods of like, oh, they're yelling now. Oh, everything's fine. Oh, they're yelling now. So that's that's how it felt overall, uh, which I get. It's it's a pilot. Yeah, you're definitely being introduced to and taking such a turn from the original series that you absolutely have to. He's so different than Kirk. And that's awesome. It's a whole new trek, right? But you're going to have to, like, you have to lay that out in the first episode. And they did. They were like, this is very different. The funny thing is, is I asked for, I was like, why aren't they following more regulations? If you're going to meet new aliens, you should do it like this. And then all of the story would be avoided. And now I was kind of handed that. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. (laughs) So I guess there is something to be said about the hothead who just rushes down to the planet to see what's going on. Because it's kind of fun. It's, it's a different, it's a different <laughs> story, and it's a different way of telling the story. And and what you'll notice about how this goes forward is the swashbuckler Kirk, the one that always went mm-hmm. down to the planet. That's going to be Riker. Okay. That's going to take over that side of 
the adventure. Okay, that makes sense. The whole thing about I'm going to keep my captain safe at all costs mm-hmm. conversation that, that Riker had, he, he, he sticks to that. He doesn't let Picard go down to the planet or to the other ship very easily. Mm -hmm. He really needs to be convinced that it's safe. Wait wait till you see the Riker maneuver. He does the Riker maneuver often. It's how he sits down. Watch. No! No! Anytime that he sits down, except when he sits in his command chair, because he can't do it in his command Uh chair, but when he sits down, he will flip his leg over the back of the chair to sit down. Because? And he does it every time. Why? And they call it the Riker maneuver. Go Google the Riker maneuver. No, 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 no. I'm going to go through this with fresh eyes. So, well, that's the thing that the weird thing that Trekkie fans pick up on as, well, it's been around so long. Let's talk about the Bandai people and Groppler Zorn. Okay. And Farpoint Station. Quote fingers. Right. This perfect Federation outpost constructed almost by magic. Right. From people who build stone buildings and then suddenly aren't anything recognizable and definitely not stone buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it kind of seemed obvious from the audience point of view what was going on. So uh, in, in that way, I was just like, I was having a hard time keeping track of the story because the story wasn't keeping up with itself. Does that make sense? I think so. I think I, what you, if it, it, it's just that the story was going slower than meet the characters. Yeah. And so every time you had to come back to yeah. story. Yeah. I already understand that there's another being on this planet that's making stuff happen. That obviously, like you made that really clear. So spending this long trying to get our new characters to figure out what we already know was a little weird, I thought. Mm-hmm. All of them were there like, this is new. Oh, there's an alien being here that I can feel. It, like, all of those were really obvious. Like, Picard should have been, like, immediately like, oh, yeah, something's going on. We already know. Well, we already know something was going on because the very premise of going out there was something's going on. Sure. So the finding out of what, which doesn't happen until, like, the extreme very end. Because, yeah, we're taking too long to introduce 800 characters. So, right. And, uh, and, and really, uh, it wasn't the main antagonist of the show. Q was the main antagonist of the show. Right. The b- bandy, right? The bandy. Were just kind and, of like... Yeah, and the, and the weird tentacle aliens. Those sensual, squid-like <laughs> transporter beings. Right, Maybe? yes. Something like that. Both of them. The the the, Are, the 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 space squids. The How do you know they're not one? I don't know they're not one. I don't. And and, and they don't really I mean they sort of they get together at the end mm-hmm. to jump all the way to the very end and then they leave. And we never really right. explore You like, never see them again. Like what was are we not a ship of exploration? Should we not go take a look? Maybe try and talk to them something? We could try. Also, it sounds like the... I mean, they mentioned transporters in the same way they mentioned the way these aliens create matter out of energy. So they can do anything. That sounds like a pretty strong reason to go see. But I don't buy... Why would Picard call them out as mates? Why not siblings? Why not a parent or why not um, 
like a, an individual that's been split on itself. Like it would have been really cool to see those come together. And I was, I was kind of like, oh, that would be super neat when they popped up and it just actually became the other. Yeah. Okay. So there's. But good God, what do I want to talk about with this? Let's right? let's go back. A lot in this. Let, let, let's start by going back to um, how obvious it was for you that there was something going on, and while you, when you said that, my my initial thought because now this this came out in 1988. Um, you're watching science fiction started from the things that this was inspired by. Right. So, again, remember how some of the concepts were so obvious. I'm just wondering whether or not it was that obvious to me. I think it was. Yeah. Every character does something that says, I mean, when, when we finally get to uh, Jordy LaForge. We knew something was says, going on. This is completely new, which is a clue. Hey, the guys up there who are dressed in, like, I don't know, linen and hammocks like yeah they're they don't they didn't do this or how about the really obvious one that uh deanna troy she's just like i feel a really powerful being she says that immediately um, oh yes Picard turns yeah. to her and she's just like whatever it is it's nothing it's like nothing we've had before whatever she says it, it makes it pretty clear it's not the humans you're talking to down there there's some there's some other living form here so yeah. And then they go down in the tunnels and they're looking for this living form. And then, of course, it's revealed that it the entire thing is a living form. Mm -hmm. Which, that was a beautiful moment when Picard's like, yeah, let's give them all the energy. Because if that's what they need to get going, then we're going to do that. Outposts be damned. Right. Well, it's not It's not theirs. It was never anyone's. <laughs> we were never going to use an outpost that was basically a kidnapped right. alien. Right, right. Being forced to be an outpost, right. I, you know, we're maybe maybe the mirror universe is using it that way, uh, right? Or using them as ships or something. I don't know. Which, um, when we get to the end, and I was looking back, aside from the like the really great acting, this is why Q kind of bothered me so much. Was the the irrational stuff of um, like I get he he likes it more because it's a puzzle and he likes frustrating Captain Picard. It seems like that was his true great joy he does, doesn't he? was pissing off the captain. Um, that seemed to be his, which, and Picard calls him out. He's just like, so you're just here to mess around with everybody. A little bit later on, he, he actually yes. says that. Um, uh, which I don't, I don't, I don't get as a motivation for, so maybe it's a personal thing. I don't like him because I don't like him. <laughs> like, I, I got that. I got that right now for you, Q is just a freaking nuisance. And for them, Q is just a freaking nuisance. Q's up to things. All right. Uh, whether he admits it ever or not. He's a he trickster. He's up to something. That's his role. He's a complete gotcha. trickster. He's a complete trickster. The, the Picard-Q relationship will continue to grow, develop, and you'll start to see who Q is and what he's really up to. And you will see that in these 52. All right. And you're telling me I won't hate him as much, but I don't like him. <laughs> Love the actor. He looks phenomenal, by the way. Like, I don't know if any other actor could pull off that red and black thing. 
Oh, right, as the judge. But he looks phenomenal. It's odd. Yeah. It's just like weirdly graceful. I don't know. I was, I was very impressed by his ability to wear that costume and not have it wear him. Did you like the story? It was a good story. It was an okay it story. It was... could have been better. It was an okay. It wasn't a bad story. I just don't think it was developed. It might have been an hour-long story, but we needed an hour just to introduce everybody. <laughs> right. Uh, I think there were better ways to do this, but I've certainly seen worse. So, I, The one thing else I wanted to talk about, just the character of Data, who you're going to get to. And again, he's still not flushed out yet. We're really going to flush his character out in about, about three weeks away. Um, okay. But... There was one moment that I thought was such a, like, it's a data moment through and through and through. And it just so is who he is. When they're on the ba- or on the, spa- the spaceship, the alien ship, and they're mm-hmm. looking around and data is making comment after I know, comment. Yes, I know the moment you're talking about because it was very memorable. I'm sorry, sir. I seem to be commenting on everything. Yes. That is beautiful. <laughs> I couldn't, I, I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that in this watch through because it was so funny to me because that's data. I also, I, I laughed, I laughed really hard at that. I was like, it was so aware, but I assumed it was, I mean, I don't know anything about data, so I don't know how data that was. I assumed it was the writer being like, and yes, this character is here for exposition. Like that's, <laughs> there's no wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're not going to have a round table. That's what he's here for. Uh, and so his, his calling it out was just, it was good fun. I was like, all right. Wasn't it brilliant? It was brilliant. It was yeah, just it was a great, and, and then Riker saying. You just keep on doing it. <laughs> I, I think I enjoyed uh, that moment. Like there's, there's a couple of really, really good moments. The very end when Picard gets the far off dreaminess in his eyes. Uh, Oh shoot! Uh, yeah, that was a Let's great see what's moment. Out there. It was very Star Trekky and Isn't makes you nice? feel like you're on the edge, and had a little bit of the dreamer that Kirk was too, of alignment there. The moment with Data. Um, let's talk about one more character that we haven't mentioned yet. Um, Chief O'Brien. Who? Well, Chief O'Brien. Say. Of, of course. Was this the curly-haired guy in the red shirt? Actually, it was. Yes. Hey! Actually, that's so funny that he you picked up on that. He had a speaking line. We're talking about, we're talking about the, um, the Irish guy that says, Farpoint Station seems kind of boring to me. And that's about all he says, right? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that's about all he says. Um, I just want to shout out to you. Um, Colm Meany was the actor that plays that role, who is uh, gets a speaking role in the pilot. Way to go, man. He probably won't talk again for about four seasons. Wow, uh, but he'll be there. And then it will be stuff like Yes Sir, No Sir, stuff like that. Maybe three seasons. Um, and he will. you'll see him in the transporter room. Uh, and then, uh, he's going to, we're going to develop his character a little bit and we're going to watch an episode about him because he's going to be a main character on Deep Space Nine. Okay. So this guy who was in the pilot, almost like a glorified extra. extra, And he ends up with his own show in the future. That's off of that. Off of that. That's awesome. There's, that's like every character actor's tenacious dream. I'm going to do this. It's going to get done. If you I just stick it. with it, they'll give me more lines next time. <laughs> so we didn't talk at all about the trial 
or yes. any of the ridiculous accusations yet. Yes, we were accused of being a savage child. What was it? A, a, a savage child race, right? Oh, I'm sure there was tin-plated di- dictatorship in there somewhere. Well, <laughs> and, and even the way that Q shows up at first, you can see what his opinion of us is, right? That that, that weird yes. ship captain saying, go back to whence thou came. And then, you know, and the issue is the commies and, you know, it's just all military. He doesn't have a good, he, has, he does not have a good opinion of us. Right. And he's the judge. And... The jury, apparently. Jury and crowd and he is he is whatever he wants to be. He makes himself He really does, doesn't however he? he wants it to be. And if you don't agree, we'll just shoot you. No 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 no, we won't shoot you. We'll shoot your BFF over there. So uh Picard's like, Okay, I'll do whatever you say. I mean essentially. Because he really does believe that humanity is not that anymore. He really does, right? Yeah, and I think his biggest trial was overcoming all of that. Yes, we've done that. I don't I don't understand how any like it seems so silly that somebody would come up to somebody else and be like your entire race is this way. So, I'm going to toy around with you for a while. Because if Q had wanted to kill him, he could have. He clearly didn't want to kill him. He wanted to set up this puzzle. He wanted to be uh, he just, he was, he wanted to be God in the cat and mouse He game. wanted to be a God in a game and put his people, minions, whatever they are, to the test. To a test. Like a God might do. Right. <laughs> well, I, and I'm not saying that Q is a God, but he certainly seems to have God-like powers, God-like abilities. And he talks about his omnipotence all oh. the time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Not saying he's God. We'll talk more about Q in, in coming episodes. I mean, he's going to show up in about a month. And mm-hmm. he's going to show up a couple more times in this in this track, too. And we'll talk more about him each time. And I'm also going to recommend, let's go back to the original series. There was an episode we never got to watch. It's one of my all-time favorites. Ha. Huh? Uh, and it's called The Squire of Gothos. Oh, you've said this before. The Squire of Gothos is a story about a uh, a guy who appears to be like a 17th or 18th century military dictator that wants to enjoy the company of the Enterprise. And he's got all kinds of godlike abilities. So there's a recommendation. Go back. Hey, watch that. I got another another original series recommendation then. The Squire of Gothos. You're going to keep giving me original series recommendations throughout the entire thing. You're going to be like, and this goes all the way back. <laughs> oh, we need to get a rating from you. Overall, it wasn't that bad, but it definitely wasn't that good. Okay. So I'm going to give it two out of five uh, fuzzy semi-sexual tentacles. Alien tentacles. Got Alien it. Alien tentacles. So, yeah. so two, so what'd you call them? Fuzzy semi-sexual tentacles. Fuzzy semi-sexual But there's only two out of tentacles. five. Two out of five. Well, that's yeah. all that you need. And I'll keep going and I know it's going to get better. So, and I'm, and I'm okay with that. But you know, and I've watched other pilots where uh, they change like character behavior or even actors. So it's not all that surprising. Um, We'll be all right. We'll move past this one, guys. (laughs) 
So let's talk track next week. <laughs> okay. Do we? You think we've talked enough about this one? <laughs> well, the whole episode was all about characters and the That's new true. enterprise and the new situations. And this episode is so huge. We've kind of already talked track. All right. Maybe we should just say for anything that's a pilot, we already are talking track. Pretty much, yeah, because it's it's going to be about learning it's all introduction about the new the new series about the new right. show rather than just a particular episode. Right, right. That's probably smart. So I will throw in two quick conversations right after this, so that we can have a little bit of talk track, but they'll be real fast, and then we'll get to next week. How's that sound? Oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> Well, there's a Picard maneuver, too. And you've seen it. The Picard maneuver? Uh, you've, you, yeah, there's a Picard maneuver, too. When he takes he takes both of his hands and he tugs, like pulls down on his, on his uniform to like straighten the front of his uniform out. So every time he stands up, every time he moves around, he'll do that often. Huh. And it's, we call it the Picard maneuver. Do they get pants at some point? Because they're all in jumpsuits, and thank God none of them are even a little bit overweight, but you can see just like, great. wow. <laughs> yes, they do. And here's how they end up with new uniforms. Patrick Stewart complained about these uniforms because that they were so tight and form-fitting. They were actually causing him back trauma. And because wow. they would like pull down on his shoulders, which I think is partly why he was always straightening, straightening his uniform. So there you go. That but, makes sense. But, but he ended up with back problems. He had to go see doctors and the whole bit. And he, he said, I refuse to, to perform. And so they altered the uniforms, made them into a two piece. Mm -hmm. So they get rid of the, they get rid of the spacey onesie, you know, in yep. favor of something that actually makes sense that you would wear. Yeah. If you're like, going to work on a starship. Good good call, Patrick Stewart. Good call. <laughs> That's a thing. Should have complained sooner. <laughs> and they'll give Deanna Troy a, a makeover. They go through some kind of weird alien-y makeup with her, and it doesn't quite work, and they bring her back, and she ends up looking perfect. Once she ends up in a Starfleet uniform, she's... It works out better? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, and there's a moment where it happens. There's an episode we can't watch, but I will be recommending it when we get there. Okay. Um, that's a strong Deanna episode. Yeah, see, yeah. here we are. We're in all the good stuff for you. You're going to love it. If we're talking sensations and Star Trek, what would Star Trek smell like? Victory. <laughs> <laughs> smell like old leather shoes. Oh, or at least gosh. the original series to me is going to smell like old leather shoes. You know what? It, it, it would. It would smell very comfortable. It might smell like a little hay in the corner. Yeah, you know, kind of, kind of funky, a little musty, rustic, but a little rustic. Yeah. It, you know, but 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 that pine in the background, something like that. Yeah. Here, right now, this just looks like Mister Clean to me. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. everything is shiny. Do you you get know, that? and you got that that shiny wood thing that goes all the way around the bridge, and it's it's a pretty pretty ship. Oh, and they're isn't very it? proud because there is the moment too where uh, who I don't know extra who 
checks out Riker's bum as he walks away, shows him the panel of like, well, silly boy, here's how you get to where you're going. And I'm going to watch you when you walk away. So if we didn't establish him as the heartthrob, I think that was supposed to do it. It was definitely supposed to do it. It was, that was. (laughs) Didn't work for you. There were a couple of really clunky moments. That was one. I liked it. (laughs) You liked it. So next week, we're going to start with probably extra more spoilers, yeah? Yeah, we're going to have a few more spoilers coming up next week, and they're really going to start to mount up as we move forward here. Uh, The next episode that we'll be watching, we're going to stay in the first season for one more episode, and we're going to do this a little more chronologically than before. Mm -hmm. The next Our next episode which is our episode number Mm -hmm. 16 on your track, Jessica, is Next Generation, episode number 22 from season one. It's called Symbiosis. 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 S-Y-M-B-I-O-S-I-S. All right. My prediction is that it is going to be about how... Ooh, probably the characters. I'm going to say the characters get duplicated, or at least one of them. Data gets duplicated. We're going to go with really specific. Data gets duplicated into another form of himself, and it's like a weird version. uh, And they have to deal with getting Data back together and becoming whole. I got your prediction. So you believe that uh, somebody, probably Data, will somehow be duplicated and the story will be about having to put them back together again. Yeah. Got it. That sounds sci-fi-y. It does sound sci It sounds really sci-fi-y-y, doesn't it? <laughs> and so I am locking your prediction into our giant prediction machine. And I will be locking that into my first viewing of Twitter. That was an odd segue, but I'm going to go with it. Um, Sunday the 7th, this coming up January the 7th, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, I will be tweeting out symbiosis. Symbioses? Whatever. Symbiosis. Symbiosis. Follow along. Send me your reactions, too. Watch along. It'll be fun. Oh, that'll be at Begin the Trek. Or if you have thoughts later on and you're more of a Facebook lover, you can holler at us there, follow, like, post, facebook.com slash beginning the trek. So I think we're... At the end of what is a really ridiculously long episode. It might turn out to be that way. I should stop. (laughs) So we should say goodbye till it be next week. Please like us, even though I'm begging. Please now. like us. Give us a, no. Uh, give us a review. Tell us if you don't like us. Tell us what's yeah. Tell us what your thoughts are. We want to try and bring something that that works for everyone. So let us know what you think. Bye. Bye, Jessica. Bye, guys. <laughs> she made that sound with her tongue sticking out of her mouth. I don't know what that was, but that was that. I just want that on the record. It's called a raspberry, guys. Yes, well, it sounded a little funny. And I did it with my mouth. Was it too realistic? It was pretty (laughs) realistic. (laughs) If I wasn't looking at you when you did it, I would have been, oop, there you go. (laughs) Well, (laughs)